You're listening to Al Pastor, the show that helps you love God, love your neighbor, and eat more tacos. I'm your host, Pastor Brian. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, hello. Another podcast for you. We're going to be talking about the uh, cherubim. We talked on the previous episode about the ark itself, the significance, the construction of it. But now we want to look at what went inside of the ark and also what was on top of the ark. So God, having told Moses how to build this very, very special piece of furniture, God then goes on to give instructions for what to put in it and how to make the lid, the the top of it, the covering. Let's read it in Exodus 16 through 22. I'm reading out of the Legacy Standard Bible. He says, you shall put into the ark the testimony, which I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. You shall make two cherubim of gold, make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. For, uh, from one piece, you shall make the mercy seat with the cherubim at its two ends. The cherubim shall have their wings spread upward, covering the mercy seat with their wings, with their faces toward one another. The faces of the cherubim are to be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I will give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all which I command you for the sons of Israel. <clears throat> now, right off the bat, cherubim are a special, special class of angels that are mentioned approximately about a hundred times in the Old Testament. The first mention of cherubim, I want you to think about this, is in Genesis chapter 3. Do you remember that? This is when they were charged with guarding the entrance to the tree of life. So this reveals their function. Now, unlike other angels, cherubim are not messengers, but they remain in God's presence to deny access to anything that is unholy. So in a word, they are palace guards of the king of kings. They are guardians of the sacred throne. They are attendants of the almighty one. Now, today, cherubs are usually depicted as these like chubby little babies with, uh, you know, rosy cheek faces. But this is not the way that the Bible actually portrays them. Cherubim are very, very serious angels which is only appropriate for supernatural beings that would live in the holy presence of God. Now, Ezekiel actually described them like this. This comes out of Ezekiel chapter 1. It says, In the fire was what, I look, uh, was what looked like four living creatures. In, in appearance, their form was that of a man, but each one of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf, and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings of their four sides, they had the hands of a man. All four of them had faces and wings. Ezekiel goes on and he describes these, these cherubim, these living creatures. 
And he says specifically, I want you to listen to this in, in Ezekiel 10, 20. He says, this is the living creature I saw under the God of Israel by the river Chabar, and I knew they were cherubim. So in the vision of Ezekiel, it helps us understand the Ark of the Covenant a little bit. Now, some scholars want to critique the Bible and say, you know what, Israel borrowed this depiction of cherubim from other ancient symbols, like maybe the, the Sphinx of Egypt or some of the things in ancient Mesopotamia, which was part man and part beast. But cherubim are not imaginary creatures. If heaven were open today so that you and I could see God sitting on his throne, we would see him enthroned above the cherubim. Here's what King David wrote in Psalm 99, verse 1. He says, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. In Psalm 80, verse 1, it says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. Revelation eleven nineteen says, Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. Now, at one point in the Old Testament, King Hezekiah, this is part of a prayer that he prayed. This is 2 Kings nineteen fifteen. It says, Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, and he said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. This is one of God's holy titles, the one who sits enthroned between the cherubim. And so, this means that the Ark of the Covenant is an earthly symbol of a reality that's in heaven. Its cover is a three-dimensional picture of a scene that is actually in heaven where God is surrounded by his cherubim. So the cherubim on the Ark represent the burning angels beneath God's throne. They were not borrowed from some other culture, but they were revealed by God himself. And God seems to not have told Moses exactly what they look like, except that they had faces and wings, which they spread uh, symbolically and protectively over the ark. And then above these cherubim, the, uh, the book of Hebrews, in uh, Hebrews 9.5, actually calls them the cherubim of glory. Uh, the glory is the presence of God. So they are guarding God's very presence. So this helps, helps explain and helps us understand why the cherubim are looking down on the ark rather than looking up at God. They are bowing in the presence of the king to worship him with reverence and awe. And then, of course, we have the space that is between the cherubim, and that's empty. Now, God didn't tell Moses to make any kind of a symbolic representation of his actual being, because if he did so, that would actually be a graven image. This would be an idol. So instead, the space between the cherubim was to be left empty. 
only filled with his very presence, his glory. And this is where Moses met with God, where he received instructions, wisdom, advice, commands. And another name for the tabernacle was actually the tent of meeting. So the specific place where Moses went to meet with God was at the ark in the Holy of Holies. And then there between the cherubim would be the presence of God. And the Bible says this in Numbers 7, uh, 89. It says, Now when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Testimony, from between the two cherubim, thus he spoke to him. This is what the tabernacle is all about, access to God the one who sits enthroned above the cherubim. Now, there was something else under the cherubim. Inside the ark, Moses had to deposit the testimony. Um, This is just another way of saying the two tablets that contain the, uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments. And so this explains why the ark is called the Ark of the Covenant. It held the terms and conditions of God's relationship with Israel. So there were two complete copies of God's law for their lives. And so, in in effect, these tablets are placed under God's feet. Now, if the top of the ark was God's throne, then the ark itself was God's footstool. And the Bible, in fact, describes it this way. When the pilgrims would go to worship God in Jerusalem, they would sing a song. Let me read to you some of the lyrics of this song. It's Psalm 132, verses 7 and 8. It says, let us go to his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. This is where Moses deposited the covenant in the very footstool of God. And so placing the law under God's feet was significant because it related to the way covenants were established in the ancient world. It was actually a custom in the ancient East to deposit deeds of a covenant between um, kings and and, and, and sanctuaries of the gods in the footstool of a deity that had a representation of it, like an idol or something. And so that way, it always showed that that particular deity was a witness to the covenant that had been established and observed. The difference between the ancient customs and what God was establishing here is there was no image to symbolize the God of Israel. The only thing that would establish his actual image would be him himself, his presence that would come and dwell. And so the covenant always remained in God's house, in his presence. So this is just a little bit about the Ark of the Testimony. We're going to do another podcast on the mercy seat itself. And so I hope you have been tuning in and been studying well. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Al Pastor with Brian Overturf. 
If you found value in this, please subscribe and get updates. Most places podcasts are available. We're right here on Anchor FM through Spotify. Also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. I hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Until then, we'll see you later.